This is the Making Books podcast. I'm author Polly Ho Yen, and this is a podcast documenting the often slow, sometimes agonising, but also, let's face it, ridiculously exciting art of creating books. Each week, I'll be talking to a writer, illustrator, or industry expert about what their life is really like when they've dedicated it to making books. Hello, and welcome to episode eight of the Making Books podcast. And this interview this week is actually my first interview with a industry professional. So I am talking to the brilliant James Spackman, who currently is a literary agent, but has worked in publishing for many years. And I first met James when he was actually my boss at a publisher called John Murray. um, And I was working in the marketing department, sales and marketing department, and he was the head of sales and marketing. Um, So I've known him very much in that role, but we talk a lot about his move into agenting and kind of all the different experiences that he has had in publishing um, up to this point, which have been a lot and are varied. So I hope you enjoy hearing about his journey. Here's James Speckman. But yeah, so what time have you, did you start this morning? Well, normally I would start at five to six. My my ridiculously rigid routine as I get up at five to six and do stretches listening to today program and doing my yoga keep my old man back in some kind of uh <laughs> some kind of shape and then yeah start start working and I usually write my diary to start with so actually I don't start working I write my diary to start with reflecting on the previous day and then uh yeah start working um, today it went a bit wrong because my phone ran out of charge overnight, so I woke up just a bit later. But that's all right. Oh, I'm so impressed with your morning. It sounds so serene. I, did, I mean, actually, it's it, that is the intention is to, and I think I probably need it less than I used to. But certainly, um, at times of heavy work stress, and particularly when it was heavy work stress and sort of kids logistics. It was really important to me to be able to to have a kind of a predictable start to the day and I mean what it meant was that you know when I was working in an office I, it meant that I could you know get up and you know leave as early as I liked and start working and then I, I would always leave leave the office at five o'clock and come home and do my my end of the of the kids stuff day um but then yeah since I've since I've worked from home it's just just a case of trying to impose some sort of structure some sort of soothing predictable structure oh. on a really hectic uh, scenario but yeah no I love it I'm jealous because my day starts with little person mm. saying you she's been saying of late I'm cold in my bed which oh. I, I'm not entirely sure is true but obviously you can't ignore that it's very it's... <laughs> You know, yeah. fundamental need. <laughs> Eat. Know. Yeah, no, so, not, not wishing to get into Haslow's hierarchy of needs or whatever, but it's uh, yeah, that is something that when your kid says you can't. I'm a little. I'm. A, and she just goes. I'm a little bit cold, Mama. And then you go. Oh, we'll come here for a cuddle then. And then, before I know it, I'm being jabbed and poked and, yeah. you know, foot in my face, which is also lovely. But yeah, I remember those days where I could actually you know have a have a morning routine yeah. yeah enjoy it man enjoy it 
<laughs> well, you look good on it, though. So um, tell me what you're doing now. Because we worked together a very, 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 very long time ago when I was a baby, really, uh, yeah. starting out. And you were my boss. Yeah, and that was at John Murray. Uh, when John Murray had recently gone from being one of the oldest independent publishers in the country. I think they were on to their seventh actual person, John Murray, when they... Seventh John Murray, yeah. yeah. John Murray the seventh. (laughs) Yeah, he he sold the company to Hachette, and it was a a, a kind of a boutique within a conglomerate, and sales and marketing director. And you were sales and marketing assistant slash executive were you not and then oh yeah I was definitely an assistant back then and um I was publicity sales and marketing do you remember because I had to have two emails one was poly.pr one was poly.sm absolutely yeah (laughs) but I mean um yeah I remember you doing all sorts of great things at at John Murray and it was yeah those are happy days but yeah since then um yeah when I give you the whole well why don't we just cups of what I'm doing now basically I so I left I left uh, my last kind of actual publishing job which was being managing director of Watkins books uh what was that about five years ago and since then I've started and probably now finished an imprint called Pursuit Books which is uh, a list of cycling books uh which i do with uh profile you know very prestigious indie um i've i've extended something that i started doing um at, at hash which was a thing called the book pitch doctor so this was basically a, an attempt to help uh shy and introverted salespeople <laughs> actually sell books so now I, I coach lots of publishing people of all different sorts of job types in how to how to do public speaking, but particularly how to talk persuasively about books. Um, and I do other kind of bits of training as well. But my main thing, oh, and I did that, I set up the Spare Room Project, which helps get free accommodation for interns in London. Although I've, I've just passed that, I've handed that on to the Society of Young Publishers uh, because it kind of needed a, a reboot and I didn't, didn't really have the time or energy to do it. So they're going to do it. Um, but yeah, my main thing is I'm an agent now. I'm a literary agent. So two old Hachette colleagues, um, Jessica Killingly and Jason Bartholomew and I, we set up a thing called the BKS Agency. It is very, very informal to start with. Very much a side gig. Didn't, you know, we we, we would start doing deals and then just sort of leave the small amounts of money that we made in, in our bank account. <clears throat> and we didn't sort of pay ourselves and eventually we kind of grew it and grew it and then we kind of enacted a, a plan which Jason had suggested quite early on because his main job is he's chief executive of Midas PR and he always thought that the two businesses could work together so we uh, over lockdown we we did a yeah we, we did a merger so I'm now you know like a, a partner in Midas uh, as is Jessica uh, as is Jason obviously um, and we are and the BKS agency is essentially the, the literary agency division of Midas Ah, um, and I have how many clients do I have I think I've got 40 clients now which is ridiculous oh wow so it's funny to 
hear your emergence as a literary agent because I just feel like I so associate you with yeah you know marketing and your book pitch work but how yeah how have you how have you found that transition it's been it's been mostly enjoyable and good but not without its challenges and it's it's actually funny thinking about kind of identity in the book world because I, I do still I mean a, a couple of times a year I'll do a um, book marketing society masterclass I'll just interview three marketing people about their brilliant campaigns I did one last Friday and I love doing that and I'm still totally fascinated by book marketing and I do feel culturally like I'm still a marketer first and foremost which is yeah, I don't know if that's... Yeah, well, I, I mean, think it's it's really helpful, I think, to have an agent who has that, you know, deep awareness and understanding and expertise on selling and marketing books because that, yeah. I mean, you know, we write the books and then the business is selling them. So, yeah. yeah. And I, I do think, I mean, there's, there's so many elements to being an agent and book but shaping the proposition and then selling it are obviously two two really key ones um i think the yeah so it, like if i tried to be a literary agent in my 20s it wouldn't have worked because i didn't know anyone and i didn't know anything whereas having done jobs in sales marketing management managing editorial people and thus understanding that process a bit um managing people who did contracts and all the rest of it even if I didn't do them individually myself I've got a lot of context knowledge which has helped me be, be an agent and then those core skills of being able to kind of shape a shape a proposition and you know flog the product you know that that all that all kind of slots in really nicely yeah. there's things that you need to learn you know um about the specifics of how negotiations work, I don't know, contracts, stuff like that. But what's been great about doing it with with uh, Jason and Jessica is that they've got expertise in areas I don't. And we've also taken on a, a rights director who's just amazing at contracts. Um, and is yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of, it's it's been a learning process, but it's building on stuff I know and it's building on relationships I know as well, because obviously it's a lot easier to sell a book to an editor that you that you're friends with and yeah yeah that's a real plus but so sorry cool. oh no I was just wondering so what's your what does your day look like as an agent so I'm, I'm, I'm I've got this lovely picture of you serenely fulfilled your diary you're ready to start you're stretched yeah you're extended yeah, exactly. <laughs> what 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 does your day look like now it's really variable um and some of the elements it contains might be like sometimes you're working on text so I've got I don't have many fiction clients but I've got um, a couple of uh slightly randomly um fantasy authors both of whom I used to sell books to when they were when they were booksellers and I was oh a um, nice yeah it's and 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 I've taken them on because I love their work but I also just really love them as people they're like they're absolutely wonderful James Henry and Lucy Fisher uh, both of whom I just think are the most entertaining people on earth and they, they should be unbelievably famous. Um, but anyway, so with Lucy, she's she's just submitted a, or she just sent me a, a revised version of her manuscript, uh, which is this, you know, this big, exciting fantasy 
novel and so you know i've got to read it and, and give her notes so that's kind of quiet um sort of editorial task so more often it'll be me looking at somebody's um non-fiction proposal and giving comments on that and you know trying to improve it i do that a lot um there's quite a lot of work on you know just i mean doing a submission you know you've got to do, a, do an email and you've got to spend a lot of time finding the right um editors because it's actually it's weirdly difficult to find the the appropriate editor mm -hmm. you know for something like a given non-fiction project i'll probably send it out to about 20 to 25 people but finding the right editor exactly the right editor in each division or each imprint of each division of each you know conglomerate it's quite difficult there's a bit of research going on there um I'm quite often meeting respective new uh, clients. Um, so I'm talking to somebody today who's a graphic novelist um, who I might I might uh, be taking on. Um, this is a bit big area of my a growing area of my list as I'm getting really into graphic novels. So I've got several clients in that area. Um, but you know, I try to see as many editors as I can for for coffees and lunches because. Because we sort of professionalised the the agency during lockdown, it was quite isolated. And so there's quite a few editors out there that I've sent, you know, like half a dozen projects to, but we've never even met. And that's actually not sensible. So I, I mean, I'm always on a bit of a networking drive. What else do I do? I mean, you know, like negotiating about contracts, you know, somebody's given you an offer on a book. Yay, wonderful. But then there's, there's always loads and loads of really kind of detailed uh sort of horse trading about bloody you know right splits and royalty percentages and stuff like that so there's quite a lot of that spade work goes on because um, i always feel like i don't know how agents do it i feel like you mm. have such a heavy workload and it's such a mix of you know, like you said that kind of you know quieter but you know you need to have headspace and concentration to do that editorial work mm. and then alongside networking juggling contracts juggling submissions i do feel like it's 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 really heavy really varied and i sort of i mean i'm in awe of agents really because i just oh. i think that they yeah you do kind of you're, you're juggling so much alongside of course you know supporting your clients manage, managing your clients expectations and communication and you know that in itself that um that author care is is huge in its own Definitely. right yeah, and actually, if, if anything, that's that's the aspect of the job that comes the most naturally to me is that sort of um, creative-sounding board, but also the kind of pastoral care, the sort of not acknowledging that it's a really, really, really hard task to to be an author on your own, you know, putting your soul on the page and in, in the hope of something, in, you know, something resembling success. So. Yeah, that I take that very seriously, but it does. I do like it as well. It feels kind of natural. Um, but yeah, and 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 of course, I mean, just to add to to all this, it's not. It doesn't finish when you get a deal. You know, so you've also got to supervise the book through publications. Yes. Read the other day, my, my old workplace with an author. Um, you know, just trying to resolve. Uh, you know, it wasn't not wasn't a conflict. It was just you know there'd been a, a little bit of you know, trickiness about the way a project had started. So we needed to kind of get together and and kind of figure it out. It all went really well. Um but you know that's that's a process that just keeps going on. You know, you need to you need to kind of keep advocating for your author 
as they move through the publishing process. I mean, fortunately, you know, I mean, it, it would be a complete disaster if everybody delivered a new project at once. Uh, but fortunately, things tend to be at different stages at different times. So you'll have some reading to do, you know, some author care to do, some... It kind of works out somehow, yeah. Exactly. I mean, do you find that, you know, you're looking at marketing plans for your your authors, you know, kind of, do you, is that tricky to kind of manage? Because I imagine you'd have instinctively have lots of ideas or, you know, a vision or expectations, maybe higher expectations perhaps than an agent who hasn't worked in that in the past. I think I, I think I probably do. I mean, I, I can read the subtext of a marketing plan. You know, yes. <laughs> I, can see, I can see if it's been a bit like kind of cut and paste. Uh, well, you know, we're going to do this. And, that. Um, and I don't know, I, I had a, a lovely moment last week where I went into HarperCollins with my client, Jane Chumley, who's written this wonderful book called A Bookshop of One's Own which is her story of setting up Silver Moon Women's Bookshop in Thatcher's Britain, you know, in... Brilliant. In 1984. And it's a wonderful book. Uh, and the the editor, Anna Mroyech at, uh, at HarperCollins, convened a uh, sort of a marketing and publicity kickoff meeting for it. And you could just tell that they all loved the book. And, you know, and they were just really really excited about working on it and even in i mean you'll, you'll remember this i'm sure um from hearing nikki barrow uh do do stuff with authors on, on publicity where yeah she was the publicity director for john murray back in the day yeah and and she kind of with the best one in the world she she had a bit of a spiel uh talking about you know her publicity plan but in a sense the subtext was i'm really good at this <laughs> I understand yeah I'll get you the best stuff I can get. It's kind of what you can say. I mean, like I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm not doing down publicity or, or suggesting that it's unplanned. But to well, put it this way, so the, the publicity director there, um, Isabel, she she sort of talked us through her plan. But I knew what she was saying really was, yeah, I understand this book. I I get where it could go. Yeah, leave, leave it to me. Whereas the marketing. Um, person was you know was actually planning stuff and, and and actually kind of committing resources and stuff like that and I could tell that it was going to happen it was, it was good stuff oh yeah that must be so nice to be able to report back like this is this is actually quite exceptional like this yeah. is you know this they're excited this is going to be good yeah exactly yeah. um you mentioned Bloomsbury because your mm. first job was working in the post room mm, that's right yeah do you look back on those days nostalgically i do actually i think i i don't i didn't realize how lucky i was to work in in soho apart from anything else so back in those days bloomsbury was in number two and number 38 i think it was soho square um and the fact that the fact that there were two offices meant that one of my jobs was to take a kind of effectively a supermarket trolley's worth of post back and <laughs> <forth> between, <laughs> between the offices every day so that was quite glamorous um but no i, I loved working in soho i loved being in a, a I mean essentially a literary startup it hadn't it was it was quite a young company I think I'd only I think it had only been going for six years or so when I, when I arrived so it, it was it was very literary it was very stylish 
um, but still quite kind of scrappy and new. This is pre-Harry Potter. And yeah, my job was a lot of photocopying of manuscripts, a lot of putting posts in pigeonholes, a lot of managing physical proof copies of um, books and of covers. In fact, I think the first task I had when I arrived was to dispose somehow of hundreds of John Irving proofs uh, <laughs> to sign uh were they proofs or were they first editions yeah i think they were hardbacks he promised to sign hundreds of hardbacks of his of his uh book the son of the circus and then when he arrived he decided that he couldn't be asked so he just suggested to them that they get a stamp made up uh of his signature which they did and uh they evidently gave some rather unmotivated work experience person the job of stamping books and so they did a really shit job of it. oh <laughs> no very stamped, which didn't look in the least bit like an actual signature so all these things were they were beyond unsaleable they were actually liabilities <laughs> i don't remember what i did with them in the end but they we got rid of them uh, yeah, it was a uh, it was an interesting job it was kind of i mean it was a, an odd time it was you know it was before email existed um and yeah, when loads of things were just done on paper, but it was, um, you know, from a publishing point of view, it was wonderful. They were they were publishing Margaret Atwood, and she was getting you know book a shortlist, and Will Self, uh, and you know doing all sorts of kind of cool literary things. And then Harry Potter uh, cropped up. And that so you you were there when Harry Potter was published? Oh yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, I was a sales rep when when it all blew up. So yeah, I I, I took the author. Round on signing tours. And that all. author. That author. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's. I mean, I don't know. It's. It, it, it feels feels bittersweet now because I. I mean, I, I. I liked her enormously and and admired her enormously. And these days, um, mm. you know, her uh, her stance on on gender, uh, I find so depressing. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything else, you know, uh, I love. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, let's let's go back. I'd love to hear a little bit more about your list because it sounds so varied. You, you talked about, you know, nonfiction, of course, bit fantasy and graphic mm. novelists. So, do you just follow? Yeah, how how has that formed? It sounds like it's evolved kind of organically from your yeah. own. It, yeah, it, it's it's been a it's been a weird. Um weird process I, th- I think I've always known that there, there would be a that there would be a kind of trade-off between just following my curiosity I'm a very sort of like interest-led person and so I'm very prone to kind of just get excited about something and and want to pursue it and as a literary agent that means you know signing up the person that's writing that thing I, I'm not fully pragmatic about okay how international is it you know could there be screen rights you know is there potential for a second book um i mean i I try to evaluate all that stuff but i quite often find that i've said yes before i have just out of sheer enthusiasm which should properly be a component like you shouldn't just take somebody on just because you think there's an opportunistic kind of deal there waiting to happen but i'm also slightly prone to taking on things where I think I can see the solution like I, I, somebody sends me a project and I think oh you know I think I can fix that which shouldn't really be enough reason to say yes but yes yeah, so I'm trying to balance that curiosity with a sense that it it is efficient to have 
areas of specialization um so i do know a lot about cycling so i can you know i, I can evaluate a, a cycling book proposal well um and also people in the cycling world will recommend me to one another that's sort of extended out more broadly into kind of sports and particularly adventure sports I've, uh, the kendall mountain festival was on the other day and i realized i had four clients there who are different types of adventurous female cyclist authors um doing very very different things within that space but somehow still within that uh, under that big umbrella so without really meaning to i've i've kind of got a center of gravity in that area of the market graphic novels uh yeah a recent obsession i a woman called molly ray um just sent in her work in progress to our website and i just really loved it and it's a book called giant which is about her, her brother it's sort of like a silent graphic novel it's very very emotional very tender and really beautiful and i just really loved it so i, I emailed her back and said i don't know anything about graphic novels <laughs> i really really love your work uh if you haven't had any better offers i'll give it a shot and she said yeah let's do it and she's brilliant. She's absolutely wonderful. And she's she's you know really well. I managed to get her a deal with Faber, uh, who one of her favorite publishers. It was more money than she. It wasn't a fortune, but it was more money than she was expecting. And you know, I, I called her about it when she was, you know, like working in the cafe, which is her her, her day job um, at the time. And essentially, that fired the starting gun on her career as a as a graphic novelist um and I, I couldn't have been prouder or happier to do that and I think the sort of euphoria of that plus also a sense of well I can't I can't bluff being a graphic novelist agent you know I need to understand the scene a little bit and she was very encouraging about kind of sending me you know, reading lists and stuff but basically now I've it's a big part of my reading and I, you know, I go to kind of comics conventions and stuff like that. And I, I'm sort of involved in the scene, you know, like kind of involved in the first graphic novel prize and, you know, I'm sort of networking in this area. Mm. I've taken on lots of other clients and it's, it, it's another center of gravity of my list. Yeah. I can see, I mean, I love graphic novels too, but I don't, I'm also no expert, but I can, I can see why you, you particularly would be, um, yeah attracted to them in terms of like your visual appreciation you know you did you've done a lot of work on book cover design especially when we were working together and also your your lino printer like you know you are you are a maker yourself I mean you maybe you'll maybe you'll write a graphic novel in lino one day well that's an interesting thought actually because I've been, I've been trying to get off the ground a collaboration with my daughter who's a uh, you know she's a really good illustrator and so I've been trying to kind of persuade her to do a zine with me, with me writing it and her drawing it. Yeah, maybe, maybe if she's, if she won't, I'll just have to do it myself. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I because I I've been spending, um, you know, quite as well as much time as I c can really um, on my own illustration, which hasn't yet gone anywhere mm. yet. But mm. it's such. Um, it's so I just I just really love doing something where sort of at the age where I'm thinking, oh, maybe that will never happen for me um, mm. because, you know, and I've really enjoyed the, you know, the writing that I've been doing. But then thinking, well, 
fuck it. Like, if I don't try now, then it's definitely going to be too late. Like, this is the time to do it. Um, I mentioned that because I feel like that's, that feels like very much in the spirit of your career. Like, you've kept trying new things. Like, you've kept pushing yourself. You know, sometimes, like, you thought, oh, I don't know how to do this, but I could work out how to. I think that kind of problem solving and embracing kind of, yeah, new areas feels like that's very much in the spirit of you. Uh, yeah, and I I definitely had a, I mean, I didn't completely choose to to do a portfolio career after I left Watkins, because uh, actually I wanted to, to go and work for Profile as a, as a full-time job and actually set up a bigger list with them or whatever. And they said, yeah, no, let's, let's, just, let's just do it kind of semi-detached, as it were. You can be a publisher at large. Um, but I think when I started doing various things, you know, when setting up websites for, you know, my pitching business for the spare room project, uh, you know, like give, um, establishing trademarks and stuff like that, you kind of realise that, well, I realised that even though there were some big, scary new things, everything you know if you can kind of if you even if you don't know the thing you know something that's adjacent to the thing and you might know someone who does the thing so we, you know for instance with with the, the trademark you know an old girlfriend of mine um you know is an intellectual property lawyer so i was able to get her kind of coaching on that brilliant um i need a logo well i i know quite a lot of of freelance designers thanks to being publishing so i know who to you know you can learn how to do stuff or you can find people to do stuff and 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 i think most people unless they've been just really siloed in their career i think after a few they'll find that they got quite quite a big sort of capability to, to do mm. a new thing because of the confidence and the contacts and the well I think you're right I think you're right that you do have you know capability but I think that confidence part that could be the missing piece of the yeah. puzzle I think you know most people are capable are so mm. capable but yeah. it's actually having that belief that you can that you can do it you can fail you can get stuck in you I, know I think, I think that's right and I think um, and you know sometimes you feel more I mean, your situation can add to or subtract from your confidence can't you like if you've just been fired from your job you're not going to feel like you're your most entrepreneurial self are you i mean I'm, I'm a big advocate for people having something on the side that's creative and that, that they've initiated and i think just you know like everyone should be kind of trying to self-publish a thing or, or trying to yeah like il illustrate a thing or you know, try to write something or, you know, have a podcast or whatever, just just to sort of give yourself the experience of initiating something. Yeah. Well, it's like that, it, again, going back to that kind of, um, I just keep thinking about my daughter, like yesterday she said, I want, we're just driving along and she said, I just want to make a paper street and I will make paper nursery school paper school and then she just listed everything she could see so it was you know paper post box and she just went we shall do that when we get home and I'm like okay and I said why why do you want to do that she said it just popped into my head I said okay and we got home and we have a terrible paper street over there with uh -huh. 
paper post box, paper trees, paper, paper house, paper people. But it's that, that spirit of like, I think I want to make this thing. I don't even know why it just came into my head and then I'll do it. And I've made it. And it's such a, yeah, such a, I don't know. Yeah. It's something so tantalizing, addictive, engaging, yeah. rewarding. Yeah. I just love, I, mean, I love and, that. And actually having the object made in the end is a bit like not the point, is it? It's No, it's more of that. Yeah. I think more of that euphoria of, of, I I could create something and then and then making little yeah, like your bringing something into being of of whatever sort I think is yeah I think it's it's hugely intoxicating if you if you let it be yeah 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 and Can so you new... sorry no you I'm say ask you a question yeah shoot you are allowed tell, tell me about your your books what's the latest oh well I am. Um scrabbling around in between being a mum but I'm 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 just yeah I'm just I'm just loving it right now I'm writing younger fiction with Knights of mm-hmm. um which is just a fantastic Amazing. indie publisher children's yeah diverse publisher they're just joy to work with so, so I'm, I'm, a, I'm such a fan of theirs but yeah that's great that they're, they're good to work with they're fantastic they're just fantastic so I've written two younger fiction titles with them my last one was called The Girl Who Became a Fish which came out a month ago so November 2023 and then I've because I've enjoyed working with them so much I'm going to write middle grade with them next so I've just I'm just working on my next middle grade project with them and then I'm hoping to yeah to continue working on my illustrated projects um, and see whether I can find yeah find a home for them but it's gonna I feel like it's gonna be a a long process and then I've got you know I've got I've always got like a few I've got like an adult novel that's just like on a very very slow parboil might have gone might have might have gone out by now (laughs) parboil yeah (laughs) yeah I think it might be it might be cold now (laughs) to be honest um but yeah, it's, I, that's that's been enough to keep me going. Yeah, I'd be yeah. So middle grade, younger fiction. I, my first adult novel came out kind of over lockdown, so that was with Titan, and they did a brilliant job with that. And I really, I really enjoyed that process, which was I found kind of yeah, kind of different to working in. Obviously, obviously, imagine it is it would be very different, but then also you know very similar as well to working in children's. Um, but it it required, you know, a more, you know, I I can well anyway. I get I get overexcited, and so I, you know, I don't need to be working on so many projects at once. But the enthusiasm kind of like drives me forward. So yeah. <laughs> why, why why how how was it different than working on the the edit the editorial? I think it felt. I mean, I guess it did just feel more serious. You know, it like mm-hmm. just generally. Um, and I mean, because it was also, you know, much darker themes and topics. This was about kind of, yeah, motherhood, infertility, dystopian. Mm. So, of course, that's that's a little heavier than, <laughs> well, I still write often dystopia for children's, but there's more of an adventure aspect, I suppose, that feels mm. a little lighter. Um, and... Yeah, it was my, I th- yeah, I, fe- I felt like I worked incredibly hard on that book. 
But I was also, I was also a new mum at that time. So I was incredibly sleep deprived and had very little time well in between naps. But then I was, I was always in that dilemma of like, I must work on the book, but also I must sleep. And so I was always like negotiating that as I was working on it. So it felt, it felt like I really had to really dig deep to work and deliver that one. And my children's stuff, I haven't ever worked on it when I was quite in such a, um, yeah, a period of, yeah, being, being a new parent. So that was, so that was different as well. Also it was lockdown. So that was added its own, and its own kind of um, shades. And I think. Did, did, did that have a kind of like a, did that come out in the writing? Do you think the fact that you were, you were sort of trying to do it in. Possibly. But that book had also been on a parboil for a while. So I'd been, cause I was always working on that alongside delivering and publishing children's middle grade. So mm. I'd been working on it for quite a number of years and had had been kind of edited quite a lot, but it was just that final, the final, fin- the you know, the final ones to really get it ready for publication. That was when I was um, in this sort of slightly crazy state. My editor mm. was really supportive and very understanding and my agent was brilliant too. Um, but looking back, I remember, yeah, I feel proud that I did that because it was a, it was a full on time. Um, your agent, by the way? Uh, Claire Wallace at Dali Anderson. Yeah. yeah. What, like, what's your, I mean, because we, we talked about my, my perception of it, but I mean, like, what's your, what do you get from her? Well, I mean, like I say, I'm in awe of agents because I feel that I feel, I feel very close to Claire. We've been, we've been working together for a really long time now mm-hmm. um, since I started so it's been a decade, a bit over a decade now. And I think we just have a, re- I mean, I feel like, fr- yeah, friendship doesn't really cover it, but it's just that, but it's, but there's something that is a friendship there too. It's just like, a, a, I think we have a, you know, a real understanding of each other, um, which, ha- which is, could only have come through working together for, for so many years and sort of building that trust within each other. So we have a, I feel yeah. like we have a shorthand for when like I just really need to speak to her or when I know I don't need to speak to her so much, you know, like I can just potter on and get on with this. Yeah. Um, but I just, I feel just that kind of, I mean, what's really important to me is just feeling that kind of, yeah, tremendous support from her of just mm-hmm. knowing when I do need her, I can say, ah, and then she's, she's there. Um but I mean, alongside that, which is obviously absolutely crucial and very important to me. Yeah, I mean, everything else that the agency is doing in terms of pitching my books at book fairs and working on the contracts and chasing up invoices and dealing with inquiry, you know, like that's and and I mean, not not so much now, but the editorial support as well in the past has been huge, you know, absolutely massive. I mean, that adult novel, Claire spent hours working on that and when their deal came through it was really you know it wasn't it was definitely not a fortune um but uh, yeah that feeling that she was still as invested and that we were still as invested to have that book made even though you know she believed in it like I did but the yeah the kind of financial side I mean I don't think she's made her money like per hour (laughs) working on that would have been quite low um 
that that yeah but that, that that she was she was invest yeah that invest in, investment in me and, and the books I think that just felt so exciting which sounds like you've you know you definitely you know you you that's what's driving you as an agent so I, I feel that'll be that's so brilliant for your clients yeah I mean it, it's really interesting hearing, hearing you sort of try and describe the or define the relationship because I, I, I think I, I, re- I really get that that it's it's like a friendship but it's quite you know you're not necessarily in one another's lives like I like I, I sort of sense that there's not boundaries but you know like I don't need to I don't need to know everything about my clients in order to support them but I do need to know everything about their writing and so yeah our, our our friendship and our the emotional component of our relationship is to do with you know the, the creative stuff which matters so much to them and so it is sort of intimate and, and yes um, but it's it's not kind of broad ranging and in, in, in the same way as a conventional friendship and it would be well, I think you're kind of coming together with this real focus, aren't you? You're coming together to 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 make books happen. Mm. So it, that's a real that's the that's that real driver. Mm. But I, but you're right about the intimacy and about the kind of you know it's it struck me as as we've been chatting about how I mean how how personal it all is really. <clears throat> you know that yeah. you loved you know that graphic novelist giant Jeff giant that came in. You just loved it. And then, even though you know you didn't have the expertise, you thought, "Let me let me try and find uh, mm. you know an editor that will also love it." Mm. And it's so. I remember I do remember you saying to me after I'd I think I'd done my first independent selling to maybe W H Smith Travel or something mm. like that, and I tried my best. Obviously, I mean I don't think I'm, I'm not, not in the same leagues with you with selling books. And then you said, oh, well, well done. And then I said, oh, I don't, you know, I just tried my best. And you said, well, you know, it's just about people buying from people. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Like I I was so trying to hold all the facts about the books in my mind mm-hmm. and wanting to make sure I did justice to, you know, making sure I addressed all those selling points. And then mm-hmm. you just sort of reminded me, oh, it's people selling to people. So, oh, yeah okay yeah <laughs> it's such a funny thing that like and, and I do I mean it comes up every time I do pitch training it's like I often find, my, find myself people who find it really difficult and particularly people who want to kind of like do the thing because you know there's a lot of people in publishing who you know, really want to do the homework and kind of be accurate and be yeah they're so good at doing their homework yeah, yeah. yeah. but then you know trying to trying to pitch a book that way and, and I've always got to try and remind them if you were in prep with your best mate and they said, have you had anything good lately? You'd be like, oh, yeah. And, you know, there'd be, there'd be this excited, enthusiastic, you know, really you know, charismatic version of yourself as a book enthusiast. And that, that's the way you got into this business, the reason you got into this business in the first place. That There's that, you being like that. You know, you, you can actually do a version of that even in a in, in a business meeting, and you probably should because it's it's real. Oh, I was that was going to be my last question to you, which was just, mm-hmm. could you tell us how to talk persuasively about oh, yeah. uh, selling well, books? And you, I think you, yeah, I mean that's that's that is the that's the nutshell, right? You, you, yeah, you got to you got to well, 
remember you can activate your prep mode should we say activate uh, prep mode i like that but also in bit, i suppose a bit paradoxical because this is more about planning and a, a bit less about being yourself but do think about who you're talking to this sounds so obvious but think about who you're talking to and what they need like yeah yeah the, the just giving them a comprehensive description of a book isn't helpful you need you need to talk about it in terms which are relevant to their needs and and if they're a buyer in asda their needs are very numbersy and very pragmatic if they're a you know bookstagrammer you know their their needs what they care about totally different um you know and it everyone's got a different version of what they you know what their own mental agenda is so that's yeah thinking about the audience before you start but then remembering that you can be yourself and just recommend a book in a way that you would recommend a book yeah yeah no that's brilliant i think you're right though it's it's kind of it seems so sort of simple and um uh you know like you say oh you know it's just very of course like you'd be thinking about your audience but then i think especially when like for instance uh you know you're first time also approaching an agent you're putting so much into that submission letter you, oh, yeah. you know you're you know you it's very it's very and obviously you're so I I mean I find it really hard to talk about my writing and my books and you know what you know how, why you should buy them yeah it's like it's very hard I think when you're so personally involved but actually just thinking this agent or an agent you know they they're looking for books to sell like they're that's what their job is so yeah. if you're able in that letter for that example to and you know you've done your research of what it is they're interested in to say this is this is exactly what you're looking for because it's this or you know absolutely obviously why, why is this why is this and why am i an opportunity for you yeah like giving it to them like giving it to them kind of boldly not saying this is what this is what you've been missing but sort of just giving the information which would you know um tick that box and sort yeah. of making it really easy um yeah. really is um is is yeah it says the nuts and bolts way thank you james we've sorted it now i know what i need to be doing okay. well, <laughs> going forwards <laughs> but thank you so much for chatting with me today and it's just been lovely to catch up because it's been a been a little while yeah, but I will, yeah and i'll be looking out for i'll be looking out for giant and for any other are there any other books that you want us to be any other um for your book of one's own uh, comes out in february that's the jane chumley one um and then yeah i've got a wonderful book uh called the morris burton way all about britain's first black um cycling champions written by him and paul jones that's coming out next year and yeah, lots of other lots of other great stuff. Another graphic novel which I didn't do the deal for, but I subsequently signed up the um the the author Carol Adlam's book, uh, the Russian detective. Actually, I think you would really like that. There's some interesting paper engineering in it. She did, actually created a sort of a peep show of layers of of <gasps> and photographs. You know, I'm going to show you this. Do you remember this old guy from the Jolly Postman? Oh yeah, it's, oh, right, yeah, exactly. It's absolutely incredible. Yeah. It's that last, um, the last is the jolly Christmas postman last card, and it's got all those different layers of cards that you peep through. It's beautiful. Yeah. I'm just in awe of that book. Yeah. So, oh yeah, lovely. Well, thank you so much, James. I'll leave you to your the rest of your your very busy day. But yeah, you're starting with your serene presence as we um 
as we began with in this chat. So thank you. Thank you. So that is an insight into the life of a literary agent. I will be pursuing some other professionals working in the publishing industry, literary agents, editors, uh, scouts maybe. I'll try it. I'd love to talk to someone in production as well. Anyway, this is all to come, but it was great to kick off um, this strand of the Making Books podcast with talking to James. And I hope that you... um, enjoyed the uh, very zen like way he began his day I kind of carried um I, I think if you can't do what he does and that lovely uh stretching routine even if you just think about it it could well, it could either go both ways it could either annoy you intensely or it can make you feel that you've somehow done it um so I'm going for the latter um because that's not possible for me at the moment um so until next week bye <laughs>